How many vineyard owners do we have among us? Put your hand up nice and high. Anybody own a, a vineyard here? No? Really? I guess that makes sense. Grapes don't love nine months of winter, do they? They need a different climate. How many people in here own a hydrangea? Put your hand up nice and high. How many of you have no idea what a hydrangea is? Put your hand up nice and high. Okay, how many of you own a fiddle fig? Those are like in right now. Those are all the rage. Fiddle fig, you can buy them at Costco or anywhere, really. Uh, a lot of us own plants. Maybe you have a garden outside and, and you tend your garden. Maybe it's a vegetable garden or just like a, a, a flower garden, a bush garden, or maybe you have plants in your house or your apartment. Uh, those of you who don't own any plants, uh, this may not, this, this imagery that Jesus uses today may not be as natural to you. It may not hit you as normally, as, it, as easily as it will to everyone else, but by the end of the sermon, I think you'll understand what Jesus is getting at. Those of you who own a plant, you totally understand this imagery that Jesus is getting at. Today, we're going to look at John 15, verses 1 through 17, and see what Jesus means when he tells us to abide in him. And he also says, it's interesting, he says that he abides in the Father. And so, like last week, we talked about obeying like Jesus, that our call is Christ followers isn't to just obey God, but it's actually to obey God in a like manner to how Jesus obeyed God. And then, being Christ followers, we are called to abide in Jesus as he abides in God, but we abide, we remain, we stay in a like manner to how Jesus abided and remained and stayed. So we're going to look at that this morning. And as we get into this text... I think it's really significant. I've said this a couple times, but John 13 through 17, which we've been studying and we will continue to study for some time, is Jesus' last conversation with the disciples. He's preparing them for his death, resurrection, and then eventual departure back to heaven, his ascension. And I think it's really significant that in John 13, we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet around a meal, that in John 14, he talks about being the way, the truth, and the life. He, he says that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to empower you to do everything that I call you to do. And then John 15, now he's talking about abiding. He's using this imagery of a, of a garden, of a vineyard. Jesus' last words, his last conversation with his followers are totally relational, foot washing, meals, abiding, staying connected, loving one another, loving God. Jesus' final and departing words to his followers are not, he doesn't give them a business org chart. All right, guys, here's how you take this, this little movement that I'm starting, and here's how you maximize this. He doesn't give them military orders. Like, here's how we're going to take this, this good news, this good kingdom, this, this, this rule and reign, and how we're going to force it upon the world. He doesn't give them political strategy. Here's how you campaign for me. Here's how you elect the right leaders. Here's how you change the laws. Right? He just simply washes their feet. He eats a meal with them. And then in John 15, he talks about abiding. It's completely relational. And, and so if you want to know how to be in the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God has continued to grow year after year, generation after generation, from one continent to another, it's not because Jesus gave his followers some strategic plan of how to maximize gospel growth. 
It's because he sat with them. He wept with them. He ate with them. He built relationships with them. And then he said, go and do likewise. Right? Amen? That's who our God is. And that's what he wants from us and for us. And so this morning, we're going to consider this imagery that Jesus gives us, this relational imagery of abiding of the vineyard. And we're going to consider the elements at play here. Like, think about it, the elements of a vineyard or the elements of a garden, the process of growth, like how do grapes grow in a vineyard? How does fruit grow in a garden? How do vegetables grow? The, the produce, like what is produced in that garden? And then the plan, what is the plan? How do we actually grow? The first one is the elements. Look at verses one and two. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So here's the elements at play here. The vine dresser, that's God. He's the owner of it all. Like a vineyard, there is an owner of a vineyard, whether it's an individual owner or a company or a corporation, I don't know. Your garden out back or your fiddle fig in your apartment, you're the owner of that. You went and you bought that fiddle fig at Costco. You purchased it. You now own it. Same thing is true for God. He's, he, he's the vine dresser. He's the owner. If you are his, he's purchased you. The scriptures say that he bought you with a price. He created all things. God is sovereign over all. He is the vine dresser. Jesus, he says, I am the true vine. And keep that, keep that in mind for the end of the sermon, actually. I'm going to go a little bit deeper on Jesus being the true vine as we close up the sermon and turn towards communion. So keep that in mind. I'm not going to go deep into that right now. Just know that Jesus is saying clearly that God is the vine dresser. He's the owner of it all. Jesus is the vine. He's the, he's the, the root system and the plant. And if you think about your garden... There, there's, a, there, there's plants in your garden and like there's that part that you see above the ground, but then the part that you see above the ground, it also goes below the ground. There's this root system and, and the vine is that. It is the, the, the core of this plant. In, in a vineyard, the grape plant, it's not just the, the vine, the part that you see with your visible eyes, but it's also that root system that goes into the ground and gets its nourishment from the ground. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. And then the vine has branches, right? Every tree, every plant, most of them, there's this root system that goes into the ground, and then there's this trunk, this core that comes up, and then there's these branches that sprout off of that trunk, off of that core. Jesus is the root system and, and the core, the trunk, and then we are the branches. Now, it's important to note that I don't necessarily know that Jesus is saying that every individual follower of him is one branch, metaphors are exactly that. They're metaphors, and sometimes they get very specific, and other times they, it, it, like you can't read into it too far. And so sometimes people will take this passage, and they will say, well, every branch is one individual follower of Jesus, which will be important, as we'll see what happens when a branch isn't producing fruit. I'm convinced that in this metaphor, like, we could all be a solo branch, but we could all also have multiple branches, Jesus' point is that we as the branches need to stay connected to the vine and surrender to the vine dresser. And so just keep it, keep it in mind that, and we'll talk more about this as we go, but each one of us, we may have productive branches and we may have unproductive branches. And we'll talk about that as we go, but we are the branches in this imagery. And then fruit, right? Fruit is produced by this whole plant, by this plant 
by this vine in the vineyard. And then I added in, you know, soil, sun, and water. Jesus isn't dumb to the reality that plants need soil, sun, and water. I, I like to think about the soil, sun, and water as like the Holy Spirit, the environment in which a plant grows. And in John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus has told us a lot about the Holy Spirit. We looked at the Holy Spirit some last week. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit again in a couple weeks here as Jesus talks more about him in chapter 16. And so in this metaphor, specifically John 15, Jesus doesn't mention the Holy Spirit, but it's in this whole conversation that he's having with his disciples. And so think about the Holy Spirit like the, the, the environment, the necessary soil, sun, and water that will make things grow. The Holy Spirit is the one currently doing this work. He's setting the environment. He's creating the environment of which you and I can stay connected to Jesus, the true vine, and allow the vine dresser to do his work, and then fruit will be produced. That is the, the elements and the environment, if you will. Now, the process of growth. The process of growth, it, it requires pruning, tending, watering, weeding, trellising. Jesus primarily, in this metaphor, uses this pruning imagery. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He cuts back. You gardeners, you, you know this. When there's a withering branch, a weak branch, a dead branch, you have to cut it back so that the other branches can flourish. Sometimes that branch is attached to itself, like branches within branches. Sometimes the branch is directly to the vine. That's why I'm saying I don't think we can take this metaphor too literally and say like, well, every single person is one branch and that branch is directly related to the vine. Like there, there's some nuance to this imagery. There's nuance to gardening. Like, here's a, here's a dead leaf, here's a dead branch. If I clip that off, it's, the growth is going to happen. Jesus is using this imagery for the disciples who are well acquainted with vineyards. And he's saying, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, there's something that we need to just consider here. Verses 2 and 3, Jesus says, Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Some of your Bibles say removes or cuts off. Then he says, every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Then verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. There's two different ways to take verse 2. Some commentators and Bible scholars take verse 2 to, to be similar to verse 6, where if it's an it's a unproductive branch, it's cut off, removed, thrown away into the fire, like it says in verse 6. Verse 6 is a clear warning to us that if we live a life disconnected from the vine, death and destruction is our destiny. Jesus will warn his followers and the people around him that, that if, you, if you do not remain in me, if you do not abide in me, if you do not walk with me, if you do not follow me, if you do not believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life, there is an eternal destination for you. It's death and damnation and destruction. That's what verse 6 is getting at. 
Some people believe that verse 2 is also getting that, that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He removes, he, he throws, but then he throws into the fire. And it's like somebody who's in the church and ceases to be fruitful that God removes. And there's another way that verse 2 can be taken, and some commentators and, and Bible scholars take it this way. It, it, uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The, the Greek word for takes away is different than the word used in verse 6, where it says that they're thrown into the fire, they're, they're, they're burned up. And so another way that you could take verse 2 is that unproductive branches, unfruitful branches that are in him, verse 2, he says, every branch in me, and so this is actually my, my interpretation, my leaning is that in verse 2, he's not saying that the, the unproductive branches are cut off and thrown away into the fire. That is what he's saying in verse 5 into 6, that those who aren't attached to the vine... They, they could be in our churches. They might not be in our churches. Like, not everybody who attends a church regularly and faithfully is actually connected to the vine. Some people do it out of tradition. Some people do it to try to ease their own consciences. Some people do it out of, like, an unholy fear of God and man. And so there's people in churches and people in our communities who are not connected to the vine, and their destiny is death and destruction. That's what verse 6 is getting at. But verse 2, I'm convinced, and people disagree with me, and so... It, I mean, think about it for yourself. And most translations translate this verse into he cuts off. But I think verse 2, when he says, every branch in me, so it seems like Jesus is saying that this branch is in me, it's connected to me, it's connected to the vine, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That Greek word, takes away, there can mean to lift up, to hold up, to support. And I think it makes sense because I think it makes sense that that's what Jesus is saying here because he says every branch in me, this is language throughout the scriptures that, that we're in Christ or we're out of Christ. We're either in Jesus, we're connected to Jesus, we're abiding in him, we have union with God or we don't. And so I think verse two, he's saying every branch that's in me, every Christian, every genuine disciple of Jesus who has union with Christ, but they don't bear fruit, he, he lifts up that part of you or the whole of you. And then the parts of you that do bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts back, he cuts away to make it more healthy, to make it more vibrant. But sometimes in our spiritual life and journey, we need the type of soul care where the vine dresser comes along and he, it's like in a, in a vineyard, like grapes sometimes, they'll, they'll drop down onto the ground and they'll get all dirty on the ground and the vine dresser will have to come and he'll have to pick that grape up, that, that whole branch system up and put it up on a support so that it can start to grow and get healthy again. So when Jesus primarily uses this term pruning in this passage, he's also referring to like the tending of a garden, the watering, the weeding, and, and the trellising, the actually picking up that weak branch that is rotting. And, and then he's pruning back other parts of the branches so that they would bear more fruit. And then verse 3, it says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That seems kind of like a random insight. Like, what does he mean by clean? Well, vine dressers in a vineyard, when they pick up that weak and withering branch, 
Oftentimes, it's dirty. The grapes are dirty. The, the, the leaves are dirty. They pick it up. They put it on a support system, a trellis, and they wash it off. They clean it. Jesus is saying, if you're in me, you are clean. Because of my word, I've cleansed you. Yet sometimes parts of you or, or, or whole people of you in your community, you, you're, you're withering, you're weak, you're in the dirt. And, and you've gotten dirty by the stains of the world again and by your own, by your own shame. And, and me, God, the good vine dresser, will come along and, and find that branch that's weak. And we'll pick it up and put it on a trellis and wash it off. And then these other branches that aren't as weak and they're flourishing, I'm going I'm to cut back, I'm going to prune them. And isn't this true of our life and our Christian experience? Like sometimes you're very productive. There's a lot of spiritual fruits. Some parts of you might be very spiritually productive. There might be a lot of spiritual fruit. And then in some seasons, you're very weak, you're very frail, you're filled with doubt, you're very unproductive, parts of you, or maybe the whole of you. And the vine dresser, he comes and he tends to us and he cares for us and he prunes back the parts of us that are productive and, and he lifts up and supports the parts of us that are weak. This is our God. So I want you to hear two things as we think about verses 2 and 3 and verses 5 and 6. I want you to hear that God, the vine dresser, he will lift you up and clean you off. That's what the vine dresser does. And I also want you to hear in verse 5 and 6 that if you do not remain, if you are not in the garden, if you are not letting God tend you, death and destruction is headed your way. Let verse 6 be a warning to you. If, you. if you're newer to the church or you're questioning this or maybe you've been a part of the church for years and like you're angry with the church now or angry with God, just let this be a, a sober warning to you. Verse 6, Jesus' own words, not the pastor's words to try and control you, not religious words, Jesus. If anyone does not abide in me, remain in me, stay with me, he or she is, is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. So four questions that I want to ask us as we think about the process. Number one is, are you attached to the vine? That's Jesus' call here. Remain, abide, stay attached to me, the true vine. I've been, uh, I've been doing a little bit of uh, therapy and counseling myself and also some readings, reading books, a lot of books about therapy and counseling. And in the therapy world right now, you'll hear about attachment theory. If you've, been, if you've ever like even dipped your toe into the mental health field, and you should, uh, you'll, you'll hear about attachment theory. It's this theory that we are all shaped by our primary caregivers. And there's four different attachment theories. I don't have time to get into all of it this morning. But I think it's fascinating. Sometimes religious people and church people and, and even well-meaning Christians who love the Bible will say like, well, that's just psychobabble and psychotherapy. All we need is the Bible. I think it's fascinating how often the Bible actually supports what like our scientific discoveries and our psychological discoveries and, and neuroscience is discovering about the human makeup. So attachment theory says that how we attach to our primary caregiver is going to influence how we live and how we react to things. And becoming aware of some of that will help you. Like self-awareness is really good. It's really helpful. 
I think it's fascinating that Jesus, essentially, in this text, what he's saying is that you must find your secure attachment, your primary attachment to me, the true vine. You're the branch. I'm the vine. You can do nothing if you don't abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Find your attachment, your secure and life-giving attachment in me. Does this branch have any hope? No. Right? This thing is dead. This is only good to be burned. It's been detached from its source of life. Jesus is saying, if you want to live, stay attached. Now, this one looks a little more alive, right? Because I plucked it from the tree next to us on my way in. (laughs) Don't tell the city. I think the tree will make it. It can live without this. And this looks alive. What's this thing going to look like in a little bit of time? Withered and dead because it's detached. It's detached from its source of life, from the trunk, from the root system. This is what Jesus is asking. And so, church family, I want to ask you this morning, are you attached to the vine? Some of you, maybe you never have truly been attached to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to him and said, I... I want you as my Lord, my Savior, my Master. I want to be attached to your life, to your root system. There's an invitation for you here this morning to attach yourself to Jesus. So, some of you are attached to Jesus, and you just need to be reminded, oh, that, that's where my focus needs to be. My life, my flourishing, my fruit, the, the vibrant colors, right? Like, this, this is fascinatingly green. It's amazing. It's going to be brown real soon and dead. You want to stay green. If you want to flourish, if you want to produce fruit, you have to stay attached. So are you attached? Second question, are you letting the vine dresser do his work? Spiritual growth and spiritual flourishing depends on God doing his work. Are you letting him prune where you need to be pruned? Are you you surrendering? It's fascinating how passive spiritual growth is in this passage. Now, don't like take that as a free pass to never try or to never invest in your spiritual life, to do some hard work yourself. There are passages that call us to do some hard work to tend to our souls. But also, there's passages like this one which show it to be very passive. Right? What, what does the fruit do? What does a branch do? Nothing! That's Jesus' point. And he says, unless you stay attached to me, look at verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches are solely dependent on the vine. Whoever abides in me, whichever branch stays connected to the vine, right? There's no life without staying connected to the tree, to the root system, to the vine. There's, There's no life there. So whoever stays connected to me, And I in him, and isn't that amazing? It's not, again, it's not even just us staying connected to him. It's like there's this weird, mysterious union with Christ where he's also abiding in us as we abide in him. And whoever stays connected there, whoever abides, that is the person who bears much fruit and and the one who's willing to let God tend to their soul, to, to prune, to cut back and cut away. That actually leads to the third question. What needs to be cut back or cut away in your life? And this is what the vine dresser does. He comes along, he's like, this, this part is rotten, and it's going to affect the rest of the tree. So I'm going I'm to cut back right here. 
Maybe you need to cut back on your social media intake. And again, this isn't your work. It's the Holy Spirit's work. It's the vine dresser's work. Let him convict you. Let him reveal to you where he wants to cut back or cut away, right? Think about a vineyard. The grapes not talking to the vine dresser saying, hey, I got a rotten one over here. Would you come get it? So often in our own spiritual life, we're trying to take the initiative. We're trying to do the work ourselves. And God, the vine dresser, be encouraged, church. God, the vine dresser, knows your rotten parts, your branches, your withering branches and parts more than you do. So what do you do? You surrender and say, God, would you, would you prune me? Would you cut back? Would you cut away? Maybe I need to cut back and cut away on these relationships or this intake or this food or this drink. or that. I, I don't even know. The Holy Spirit has to convict you of that. If it's me convicting you of it or your friends or your family convicting you of it, it's not going to go anywhere. I think sometimes God uses us to encourage and convict in that way. So please don't hear me saying you can't ever speak into that. But we need to surrender to the vine dresser and let him cut back and cut away the things in our life that are rotten. And he will do it. That's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, verse 1 and 2, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, he takes away, he cuts back. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may, may bear more fruit. Church family, how good is our God? He cares enough about you to tend to you. And then the last question here is, what structures might God want to use to hold up your life, to hold you up? If verse 2 can be interpreted that way, that, that the weak and the, and the withering and the rotten parts, he comes and he lifts up, he cleans off, and he trellises them. What structure, what trellis might God use to hold you up? Like, I, I was talking with somebody from our church this past week, someone who is an expert in recovery. Well, they wouldn't say they're an expert in recovery. They have helped shape and lead recovery ministries. And it's amazing. She, she says, I, I think about this passage when I think about recovery. It's, it's a structure. It's a trellis. And recovery isn't just about substance abuse. Like, I've, I've done some dabbling in looking into recovery resources, and it's so amazing. Christian, brother, sister, friend, we all could use some recovery principles from AA and NA and SA and all these different recovery groups. It's amazing the trellis that they provide people to grow. Now, here's the reminder to us. We don't trust the trellis for our growth, right? And so some of you are like, yeah, my Bible study. Bible study is a great trellis. That's all it is, though. It's a trellis to help you be held up by the word of God to stay connected to the true vine, to, to sit underneath the structure that the vine dresser might provide for you. And then as you remain in Jesus, you grow. He prunes, you grow. He prunes, you grow. And so I just want to encourage you, church family, to think through what structures might God want to use to, to hold me up? This right here, Sunday morning gathering, this is a structure that hopefully God is using to hold you up and clean you off. Community groups, Bible studies, support groups, friends, long meals with friends, talking about Jesus and life and taking off your mask and being real. It's a structure that God might use. What is it for you? What structures might, be, might God need to use in your life to help you grow? Third, 
of the produce, right? And so we've talked about the elements, we've talked about the process and the produce. It's, it's love, trust, obedience, joy, answered prayer, and spiritual fruit. That's everything that Jesus is getting at in John chapter 13 through 17. Look at verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Like amazing answered prayer is the, is, is the produce of us abiding in Jesus, the true vine. Love and trust and obedience like we talked about last week. As he continues to go on, look at verse 8. By this the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit, spiritual fruit, not just the fruit of the flesh. Some of our fruit, like some of us may be very fruitful, but it may be worldly fruit, maybe fleshly fruit. Just because you're winning friends and influencing people and making money or super disciplined in your eating habits or your exercise habits, it, it may not be spiritual fruit. It might be spiritual fruit. may not be spiritual fruit. Staying attached to the vine produces a spiritual fruit. It says, in verse 8, you bear much fruit, and so prove to me, my disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Isn't that amazing? This is what it means to abide, to stay attached to the true vine, to abide in his love, so that so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, obedience, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Do you want to experience the joy of the Lord? Stay attached to Jesus, the true vine. Abide, remain, stay. And he goes on and he closes out this, this train of thought here. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The fruit of abiding in Jesus is love of God, love of others. It's love, trust, obedience, joy, answered prayer, and spiritual fruit. Think about Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This amazing spiritual fruit. And so my question for you to think about this morning is, is, your, is the fruit of your life spiritual or natural? Spend some time this week considering that. You may not have much fruit, and so you may need to say, God, am, am, am I attached to you? Am I willing to surrender to, to, to let you prune and cut back and cut away? What structures might I need to, to help this growth process? And if I am producing fruit, is it actually spiritual fruit or is it the fruit of the flesh? You can be a very productive well-liked human being and be internally withering and rotten. You can be, verse 6, a branch that was never attached to Jesus, the true vine. And so ask yourself that question. What is the fruit in my life and is it spiritual or is it natural? And if it's, if it's rotten, if it's natural, if it's unspiritual or if it's non-existent, just surrender to the vine dresser and say, would you prune me where I need to be pruned? Would you Set me on a trellis where you see that I need to be set on a trellis. So what's the plan? Lastly, as we close up this morning, the plan. How do we abide and how do we get pruned, right? Isn't that the question? If you've been around the church for any length of time, you've heard this passage, you know. We sang it. We've been singing the song. Teach me to abide. Teach me to abide. Okay, pastor, how do I do this? Right? So many, like, 
tell me what to do, tell me how to do it, tell me when to do it, tell me where to do it. This is the only answer I have. We stay, we abide by staying attached to the vine and surrendering to the vine dresser. It's a passive growth in this passage. I can't say go to church more, go to Bible study more, give more money, memorize more scripture. All of those things might be helpful. All of those things might help us stay attached to Jesus, the true vine, and might help us have a posture of surrender to the vine dresser. But we can't force fruit to grow the same way that this thing can't come back to life, right? Can't ha- won't happen. This thing cannot will itself back to life. This one, even though it looks like it has life, it's dead and gone, it's done for. Can't will itself back to life. They're detached from the source of life. And so you and I, our, our, our way to grow, our way to flourish is to stay attached to Jesus, the true vine. It's to sit in the soil that he's planted you in. This church, your community, is soil that he has planted you in. Sit in it. It's to receive the water of his word through Bible study, through community group, through the preaching of God's word, through your own private devotional life. It's just receive the water of his word. It's to surrender to his pruning, to his trellising. We sang this morning in the song, Abide, I Depend on You. God here is saying, would you just depend on me? Would you let me tend to your soul? Would you let me prune, cut away, cut back the parts of you that are productive? And also, would you let me trellis and lift up and care for the parts of you that are weak and rotting? I'm the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine. And as we close up this morning, I I want you to flip over to Psalm 80 with me and, and See what Jesus means by saying, I am the true vine, as we now transition towards communion. This vine imagery is, is thick throughout Scripture. Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament, they are referred to as the vine of God. And, and we see this play out so beautifully here in Psalm 80. And I think it's what Jesus has in his mind in the backdrop as he tells the disciples that he is the true vine. So Psalm 80, verse 8, says... You brought a vine out of Egypt. The psalmist here is reflecting on God's God's work. He's the vine dresser. He's the owner. He brought a vine out of Egypt, the people of Israel. And you drove out the nations and planted it. Out of Canaan, he drove out the nations and he planted Israel, his vine, in this land. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountainsides were covered in its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Israel flourished for a while in the promised land. The vine planted in this environment, God tending to it. They grew, they flourished, there was fruit, there was shade from its branches. Verse 11, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? And if you know the biblical story, Israel didn't always flourish. It wasn't always that strong tree bearing fruit, giving shade. 
There's a season of unfaithfulness where God disciplined them. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it. The bunnies eat it. And all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine. These weak and feeble people who are being destroyed. Have regard for us, God. The stock that, you, that your right hand planted. And here's where Jesus comes in, saying, I am the true vine. Like Romans says that he is the second Adam, Jesus himself here saying, I am the true vine. I am the vine that Israel couldn't be. I am the vine that you can't be. The stock that your right hand planted, God, this is all you're doing, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. Jesus saying, I am the true vine. I am the man at the right hand of God, the strong man who you made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I am the true vine. I am everything that you couldn't be, that you can't do in your own power. Stay attached to me. Stay attached to me. Stay attached to me. And you will produce spiritual fruit. It will be abundant in your life. You will experience an abundant life in me and with me as you stay attached and as you surrender to my pruning and my cutting and my caring. Amen? And so this morning... We're going to come to the table again like we do every week and remember the fruit of the vine. Jesus is the true vine who produces new life by dying in our place on our behalf. When you drink the cup, it's grape juice. Remember the true vine which produces healthy branches and healthy fruit, healthy grapes, and multiplies himself for the flourishing of of the world and for our individual good. And the bread represents his body given for us. There's two stations here in the front, and there's just one in the back this morning um, on that side over there. I'm going to pray, and then you're welcome to visit the table whenever you feel led and ready. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, that you are the true vine, that you are the strong man of God's right hand. Lord, may you teach us to abide. We surrender to your work, to your pruning, to your cutting away, to your cutting back in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one of us individually this morning where you're at work, where you're cutting away, where you're cutting back, where you're trellising, where you're cleaning, and may we let you do your work so that we would in turn flourish. Thank you for living the life that we're incapable of living, dying the death that we deserve, overcoming sin and death in the grave, and then granting us the Holy Spirit so that we could abide in you and produce fruit like yours. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.